0: Welcome to Who Watches the Watchman Podcast a weekly discussion of the new HBO series by showrunner Damon
1: Lindelof based on the graphic novel by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. I'm Derek Wong and I'm Jeff Zhang. Today uh, we just wanted to give a brief primer on what to expect from our podcast. We both read the graphic novel obviously so we'll be extrapolating our knowledge of the source material to our discussions of each episode of the new show. We'll try our best to give an in-depth analysis of every episode, hopefully shed some insight out little Easter eggs and do a little theorizing on what might be on the horizon of the show. For those of you who are uninitiated in the world of Watchmen, Watchmen is a 1986 graphic novel by writer Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. It's widely considered one of the most influential comics slash graphic novels of all time. And now there's going to be an HBO series that acts as a sequel, taking place 34 years after the events of the comic. So we'll definitely be doing more of an in-depth analysis of the graphic novel In next week's podcast episode, but we still have around three weeks until the premiere. Before we dive deep into the graphic novel or the film adaptation, I think this is a great opportunity to take this episode and talk about our expectations for the show. So, Derek, what are your expectations for the show? I'm expecting it to be amazing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, joking aside, I you know, you always hope that, you know, any new show that you're gonna invest your time in is something that you're gonna love. I hope it's it's great because, you know, one, it, it's based off a of source material that I think is really great, right? Written by Alan Moore and illustrated by Dave Gibbons. And it's a very influential piece, you know, in, in our kind of cultural and, and media landscape. And the second thing, you know, why I think it might be great is because it's show run by one of my kind of favorite, I'll call him a creator, right? Because he's he's been a producer, he's been a director, Dave Lindelof. And so I, I think those two factors hopefully kind of come together to be something really amazing.
1: I think for this new Watchmen series, I guess you could say that <laughs> I'm I'm a little more cautiously optimistic than super hyped. And I think the optimistic side is the same as yours. I I really like Damon Lindelof and I'm super excited that he's involved. But my cautious side is due more to the adaptability and like the difficult nature of the source material so like alan moore doesn't particularly like adaptations of his work the work of watchmen is largely viewed as unadaptable and i also think it's like a widely misunderstood comic so there i'm just a little more hesitant but we'll we'll see how it we'll see how it turns out i mean um we can always retitle the podcast right to who hate watches the watchmen if it's <laughs> if it's bad um we could we could we could definitely change our title if we need to i would prefer not to um I'm, I'm i really hope this is good but we always have that have that option uh
0: you know i i usually tend to like you know hbo shows that i invest my time in so i i think they you know it's in itself hbo or uh themselves as uh, a production you know uh conglomerate i don't know what you want to call it is dependable in my opinion you know i love Game of Thrones. Yeah, you know, I love shows like Silicon Valley. I think they, they do have a track record. I love. Oh, I also love. Um, what is the one with the robots? And Westworld. Westworld. Thank you. Yeah. So I, I think if you're talking about being on a network that has a good track record, I think they do have one, and, and I, yeah, that also sure. gives me hope.
1: Yeah, I think uh, HBO definitely has that pedigree, right? And they're like one of the first ones to really established the the new norm of like what we call peak TV. Oh yeah. You have like Oz, The Sopranos, Deadwood, so many great shows on HBO and and they've definitely cultivated a a reputation, I think.
0: You know, when you're thinking about the last kind of big event television show, you, you can't not put Gamerthones on that list, right? And that's an HBO show. But you know, for me, one of the first big event tv shows that i was uh, really invested my time in invest in my mental thought about like theorizing and Mm -hmm. and really like seeing maybe where the show's gonna go was lost right yeah that's another kind of damon lindelof created slash you know produced show i think this is a
1: good place to start right like damon lindelof so Mm -hmm. i think i already know where you stand but are you uh are you a Lindell lover or a Lindell hater? <laughs> I am a Lindell lover. I love you Lost. Are? Okay. I love Lost. It's it's one
0: of my favorite shows of all time. I mean, if you're talking like at least in the top five for me. Even with the ending. Like I'm 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 not a hater of the ending as much as some people are. Everything about that show I think is great.
1: So you don't you don't hate the all right, let's talk about the lost ending for a second here. You uh, spoilers <laughs> for a what 10-year-old ten year old? Ten year old. I don't yeah. even know how old it um, ended. I think it ended in 2010. So okay. I don't hate the lost ending. I don't think I. I don't hate the last season of Lost. But I do think it is. It's disappointing. But I'll be I'll be a lost apologist until the the day I die. Yeah. It's it's one of my favorite shows of all time, and then. I think it's important to distinguish a show that kind of shits the bed with its ending and then a show that kind of made a mistake and then people didn't like the direction it went. So, like, I hate to say it, but like Game of Thrones kind of, kind of shit the bed. Yeah. Right. I think the writers uh, lost patience with the show. That truncated last season just really did the show no favors, but I don't think lost falls into that category. No. And that's kind of what I was going to say was that, yes, you don't have to like the
0: lost ending. You know, I know pe- plenty of people that don't like it, but mm-hmm. I don't think it abandons what Lost is about. And I think the great thing about Lost and what I'm pretty sure the creators and the writers and the producers of that show recognizes that it's about for me, at least, and, and this is for me, this is my opinion that it's about the characters and the relationship mm-hmm. of the characters and that's what the strength of that show was. It was never about this weird island or or this you know
1: time jumping or the sci-fi. No, right, all. right, exactly. Like people hate on Lost because they wanted to know the, what the numbers they wanted were to know what all these yeah. little tidbits of mystery were. Um but that's not what the show was about. So exactly. my issue with the final season of Lost is that it kind of abandoned the focus on the characters and it became, like, so, like, seasons one through five were more about, like, the people on the island, and there were personal stories, like, human stories, but then the final season, it was kind of, like, this good and evil battle, and, like, I thought it kind of took a little detour away from what made series more special, right? I mean, I'm, I'll am i be the first to admit
0: that it's, it's one of the harder ones. I, I've revisited, like, over time, I've revisited, like, most of the seasons and, like, mm-hmm. episodes, but that last season is admittedly harder to revisit. I think it is for me, one of the more boring seasons. Yeah. But
1: in I, the I, end, I I, like,
0: I'm, I don't take, I don't, you know, and I think Game of Thrones is the same. I think, you know, like you said, it shits about a little bit and it, it doesn't end as strong as I would have wanted it to, but it doesn't take away from what I think was great in the first, you know, six or seven seasons of that show. So you, you have to weigh, you, you have to weigh it, you know, I,
1: yeah. I agree. With Damon Lindelof, I think people tend to conflate him with JJ Abrams a lot. Yeah. Um, which is kind of fair because the two are pretty closely associated, I think just through the idea of mystery box storytelling. So are you are you familiar with the mystery box concept? Vaguely, but you know Let's talk about it. Let's have
0: you maybe try to explain it, especially if we have listeners or yeah, anyone in yeah. the audience that does. Okay, understand
1: so it. the term mystery box it originates from a, a TED Talk by J.J. Abrams in 2008. So he like tells the story on stage of how his grandfather gave him a box of magic tricks as a kid, and it ends up being a box that he never opens because of his belief that whatever his imagination could conjure up would always trump the actual contents of the box. So it's not real. I don't know if that's like a true anecdote or whatever but i do think it's like his anecdote about his particular brand of storytelling um where the whole hook is to like introduce like a super tantalizing mystery and then build the entire work around that mystery to keep the audience engaged i haven't watched the leftovers so Mm -hmm. does he does he also kind of do that with the leftovers so um lindelof is like Part of the school of J.J. Abrams because okay uh, J.J. Abrams ran like the first couple episodes of Lost. It was his idea, and then Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse they took over as showrunners. And okay, all right, so I have this whole thing about mystery box storytelling. Okay, (laughs) this mystery box storytelling it's really influenced. So we're talking about J.J. Abrams. It's really influenced like his entire body of work. So like on the TV front, you have Alias, Lost, Mm -hmm. Fringe. And then with, like, movies, you have, like, Cloverfield, Star Trek Reboot, Mission Impossible 3, Super 8. They're all, like, these uh, these shows or movies that, like, build around central mysteries and just really getting people really engaged. Mm-hmm. So here's my thing. I guess you can call it, like, the grand <laughs> mystery box unification theory. So, like, there's a whole spate of creators and writers who are part of the J.J. Abrams School of Storytelling, and they either took over showrunning duties for him On a TV show or like a movie franchise from him. Mm -hmm. Or they're just like closely associated with him by project. And I use like a school analogy. Because you either flunk out of the school or you graduate. And it's like a whole spectrum of people who are associated with him. So like on the flunking side, you have Roberto Orsi and Alex Kurtzman. Who did Amazing Spider-Man 2, Star Trek Into Darkness. And like the Mummy reboot. And my thing is that... Damon Lindelof is the only person to graduate from this mystery box school and that also includes JJ Abrams himself who I don't think has graduated from his own school that he <laughs> <laughs> but I think Damon Damon Lindelof graduated from that school with the leftovers but you've never seen the leftovers right no no don't okay. ruin it maybe one day I'm not I'm not going to ruin it I won't I won't ruin it I'm just going to say that he learned all the lessons that he could from Lost and applied it to the leftovers, and and it's just a much more mature version of of Lost, I think.
0: So seeing how or knowing, at least in your opinion, knowing how good the leftovers is. Well, actually,
1: that's that is a question. Do you do you think the leftovers is really good? Oh, I think uh, I think the leftovers is one of the all timers. It's oh okay. I think it's pretty much flawless from beginning to end i mean the first season might drag a little bit but i think it's it lasted the perfect amount of time and the focus was on the characters from beginning to end and then the biggest thing is that yes there's like a central mystery to that show but that mystery didn't matter at all so as as leftovers being as good as it is in your
0: opinion so does that make you more hopeful for this show I think it does. I think it
1: makes me a lot more hopeful, just because. All right, like Damon Lindelof, his his filmography and like his work leftovers aside, is is a little shaky, I guess. But he's very ambitious, right? Well, let's let's talk a little bit about some of
0: the films that he's associated with, right? Uh, right. Two thousand nine Star Trek, right? Uh, Two thousand eleven mm-hmm. uh, Cowboys and Aliens. Mm-hmm. He was a writer on Prometheus. Uh, he was right. a writer on uh, writer and producer on Star Trek Into Darkness. Writer on World War Z. Writer and producer on Tomorrowland. You know, so like you said, maybe not the best track record. I mean, I think the only movie that I really genuinely like in this kind of bunch is the rebooted 2009 Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Which he wasn't a writer. He was only a producer. So that
1: might say something too. Yeah, they're, they're all ambitious projects, right? Can't really knock him for trying his hand at all of these ambitious projects. And he's like one of the most I want to say, like, self-effacing guys in Hollywood. He'll, like, openly admit to his faults, um, like, where he comes up short, I think. I think, like, after the end of Lost, he, like, he deleted his Twitter. And, like, for a while, his Twitter thing was like, oh, I'm one of the idiots behind Lost. Uh, That was his little profile. So, I mean, he knows how to take his lumps and... And I think he's he stuck the landing on the leftovers so well that that just gives me like a lot of hope for for the Watchmen series. You
0: know, I haven't watched Leftovers, but having talked to people or knowing people that have watched it, that's that's all I hear too is that it's a really great show that I should watch. Just that alone gives me hope. Not knowing actually right. having watched the show, but knowing that you know people that I uh, that I trust with their opinions likes it. You know. I don't know anyone else who's watched the leftovers. Oh really? My wife and myself. So um Yeah, I have a couple of friends that have watched it, you know, like that's something that they they took up. Like I I really stuck with Game of Thrones and and Westworld, but then I had other friends kinda like latch on to like the leftovers and some of the other shows on HBO, and they latched onto those, and they said they loved it. And I just like, oh, I have so much investment yeah, yeah.
1: in these other shows that I don't really want to invest in
0: this show at the moment. I know.
1: It's it's a short investment though. It's three. It's only three season episode seasons, yeah. So yeah, um, I know it's it's
0: like one of those shows like on my list, and I'm like, I really really should just do it. So talking about Damon Lindelof, also is uh, what what also kind of gives me hope is that he is he is admittedly a fan of this work, right? Yes. The funny thing is I pulled out my my old like Watchmen graphic novel um paper bound, and cuz mm-hmm. I, I was you know starting to read re-read read it again so that I'm prepared for you know our talks and and you know kind of watching this show and I noticed that on the back he's actually quoted on my my paperback copy of Watchmen. So this must be before before this was even an idea. Oh yeah, because I got this back uh, so, admittedly, I did not read this until I knew that the Watchmen movie was going to come out.
1: So okay.
0: I, I was like, okay, I want to get into this property. I want to read the actual graphic novel before I watch the movie. So I, that's when I bought the paperback version. So I bought this probably in like sometime in two thousand eight or two thousand nine before okay. the movie came out.
1: He so he wrote a foreword. for the. He didn't write novel. a forward. He just he's like quoted. Uh, he's it was like, like a blurb on the back.
0: He's like quoted on the back, and I'll just read it. It's real short. Yeah, says, yeah, please the greatest piece of popular fiction ever produced so he he definitely has a really high opinion of this work right mm-hmm. and that is something that gives me hope you know you always want someone that i think admires the work and really under hopefully that means they also understand the work i hope so. i think he understands the work and he, he also has the same concerns as you. You know, I've heard him you know doing interviews or uh, uh, read that you know he's also aware that you know Alan Moore has, is, is you know famous for not really wanting to attach his name to any adaptations and and not really right. endorsing any adaptations. So he understands <laughs> that he understands that fully before going in and actually taking this as a as a project and it's on unto himself, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if you've you've read the same article that I did which is like a super clickbaity article um, where the headline was like, oh, Damon Lindelof tells Alan Moore, fuck you, or whatever. No, I didn't read that. that didn't. I did not read that one. Um, so it's clearly like a clickbait article where it seems like, oh, Damon Lindelof hates Alan Moore. And he's like, oh, fuck you. I'm going to make this series no matter what. Um, but as is the nature of clickbait, that is not what the article actually is. Because he's talking about like, how Alan Moore is. Yeah. Alan Moore's mentality of like doing whatever the hell he wants. He relates the story of where Alan Moore tells Oh, the creative's of Superman or Swamp Thing that he's gonna do whatever he wants with the property. So like in the interview, Damon Lindelof is like, so in the in the spirit of Alan Moore, I'm gonna say, fuck you, Alan Moore, I'm gonna do this <laughs> show anyway. So like it's much more loving and like tongue in cheek than i i just think clickbait is ridiculous it's no it is it is
0: yeah and also another thing that he's he's done is that um if people haven't seen it you can find it online if you just kind of type in damon lindelof instagram watchman you know he he has this whole huge instagram post where he like Oh, yeah, where yeah. He's, he's always like,
1: teasing it. and like, Yeah, and he, he yeah. writes
0: this, like, four-page kind of, or, like, four- or five-page thing where he, he basically talks about his love for the, the series. And right, right, right. For the comic and why, you know, he's he's uh, at, at, at times kind of apologetic, but at times saying, like, hey, you know, I, I think I could do this, and please don't hate me because I'm going to try. <laughs> You know, so like, I I really do admire his kind of like you said his his, his self awareness. I think yeah. his, yes, yes, his, he understands what this property means, but he also understands. I, I think he kind of understands the the quote unquote fanboys, right? And this this mentality of like, please don't don't ruin this thing that we love, and he understands that because I think in in himself he is a um, someone who is a fan, someone who admires this work, and someone who wants to do justice by it, right? So let's dive into the trailers for the new HBO show, Watchmen. Uh, so there's been at least two main trailers that I've seen kind of released. One was during Comic-Con and one was a couple weeks later, or it was only a couple weeks ago that the second trailer was released. And the second trailer I think has a little bit more plot details. Let's talk about some of the major players and we don't really know everybody's name. So we'll, we'll refer to them as the, the actors for now. Yes. So there's, you know, there's, uh, Regina King's character, who looks like she's playing some kind of cop, right? Who's mm-hmm. But he, she's a masked cop, right? A superheroed cop. There yes. is Tim Blake Nelson's character, who's also the same. He's the guy who's wearing the kind of highly reflective mask. And it looks like he's also uh, someone who's on the side of uh, law enforcement. Is he? Is that, that, I, that's I, my intention. That? Because okay. Doesn't, doesn't what, um, well, let's get to another character. There's also uh, the chief or the kind of the chief of police that's played by Don Johnson, right? So it does and isn't there a scene where he's like taken to the, uh, the, the, the cell or the box, right? Mm-hmm. So it sounds like they're working together. So I got the impression that he's also on the side of the police, mm-hmm. uh, especially because I, I think there's a line that said that I think in the first trailer that, the people that wear masks are basically cops now because mm-hmm. that's the only way to protect themselves, right? Or their identities. That now the superheroes in the world are, are just police. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, him being one, uh, Tim Blake Nelson's character being one, and then also Gina King's character being one, both wearing masks. It just makes sense that I think they're both cops.
1: But maybe you're right. Maybe it's it's kind of ambiguous. I mean, story. who knows? Because the Rorschach worshippers, the 7th Cavalry, they're, they're also wearing masks. Exactly. So yeah, that's that's no, a good point. So
0: there's there's these, there's a new kind of, and they've been labeled terrorist in the show, mm-hmm.
1: the cavalry, right? Yeah, I think it's the seventh cavalry. Yeah, yeah, but they wear the Rorschach mask, right? Yeah, and I think they're targeting police officers in particular. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, so there, it does say. I think you know, from what I got, it looks like there might be like two different time eras, or we're gonna have a time jump, mm-hmm. because there's a point where it looks like. The cops aren't wearing masks, right? And they get attacked
1: by the cavalry. I mean that that could be like the turning point for yeah. why they start wearing the masks. Why they start wearing the um, masks? Exactly. I yeah. think the most interesting uh, cast member is probably Jean Smart, right? Because she's playing Lori Blake. Oh, I did not know that. I didn't catch yeah. that. I think one of the trailers she's identified as Blake. So ah. she is she is Silk Spectre from the original graphic novel so it was very interesting i think her and jeremy irons as ozymandias are probably the only two characters from the graphic novel that are in the trailers barring dr manhattan on on mars well no well isn't it at the end of the first trailer
0: we see someone pick up a Dr. Manhattan mask, right? And the person that picks it up has a blue hand. So I, oh, yeah, I always yeah, thought that's true. that's true. I always thought that oh, meant like we're gonna Manhattan. see Dr. Manhattan back, yeah, back on Earth. And there is also, I mean, we do see Night Owl's ship. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we I don't know if maybe you know the character of Night Owl somehow shows up on the show. Okay, so let me let me before we speculate if maybe Night Owl will appear in the show. There's some differences between the comic and the and the or the graphic novel and the the movie, right? Uh, the graphic novel has a has a has a small plot line that isn't explored in the movies. Where in the graphic novel, a cop discovers who Night Owl is, right? And raids raids his his house and is about to arrest him, but they you know they go save Rorschach instead. Mm-hmm. Right, right. But they don't ever do that in the movie. Or if I'm remembering the movie correctly, so it. I'm curious to see where what source material he's pulling from. It's definitely not the movie, I don't
1: think. Well, that's the true. thing is, the look of the ship—it reminds me a lot of what the ship looked like in the movie. Yeah, but I think that's based on the artwork, right? Yeah, I think um, if you're having a conflict, they're gonna take. You You think we should follow the graphic novel? Okay. I doubt that they're gonna pull anything from from the movie. I don't think they're going to have sex scenes to hallelujah in this. So. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll talk more about the issues of the movie in our movie episode. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll talk <laughs> when we get to the the movie episode. We'll we'll talk about we'll, we'll go. We'll definitely talk about we'll
0: dive into things maybe we actually do like and the things that we definitely don't like. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, just a hint at that.
1: A bunch of interesting things. I don't believe this is like overtly said in the trailers but i think a lot of interviews and things made it clear that it's a world without internet and there's no smartphones and then robert redford was president
0: yes i've heard that that robert redford is president in this this universe but i have not heard anything about the the cell phone or internet thing so that'd be interesting it is really interesting um
1: i think that's interesting because i just hope that they are able to fill in those blanks about why the world is the way it is without just Mm -hmm. being like, Oh, it's an alternate universe. It's kind of cool. Isn't it cool that we don't have internet or smartphones or Robert Radford is president. I feel like it would be better if you can see the through line of like Nixon's, however many terms that he served in the world of Watchmen and then like this huge apocalyptic event, like how that influenced the world that they're living in 34 years later, right? And not just cool little Easter eggs it's like, oh, isn't it cool that we have all these things, right? I hope they could color that in. One of the big kind of points about
0: you know Alan Moore's graphic novels that he it's definitely um speaking on that kind of the, the political error of like kind of Reaganism and and, mm-hmm. and and Reagan and Nixon and Damon Lindelof understanding the graphic novel and understanding his intentions of that, like I would not be surprised if he has a lot to say about, you know, our current political error. Right. Right. The fact that there is no cell phone, there's no internet there. He's definitely trying to say something about that. And I'm, I'm interested to see what he is going to say about that then. Oh yeah, for sure. I think so too. So I also, um, one thing I did notice is that, so if everyone doesn't know, Jeremy Irons plays Ozymandias, right. And he is pretty prominently shown Throughout the, the two trailers, there's a portion in the first Comic-Con trailer where someone pulls up a a newspaper and it says that Vate officially declared dead. You know, they told us he's dead, but they're also really showing us, you know, a lot of scenes with him in the
1: trailer. So I'm wondering if, like, what what is that? I mean, it's too early to tell, but it could be he could actually still be alive. It could be like a flashback. We don't know. Yeah. But I don't think you hire a heavy hitter like jeremy irons just for like a couple throwaway scenes right i don't know he got hired as alfred in <laughs> versus super that's true right. <laughs> yep,
0: you got me there <laughs> you got me there oh man uh, let's not talk about those things. <laughs> yes let's <that's, that's laughs> not um i do like regina king a lot yeah let's talk let's talk about this cast i mean i really do think they have a really strong cast And whenever I see like a strong cast in in a show or in a movie, that also gets me really excited, but also really hopeful, just because the type of work that some of these actors are choosing, you know, they don't take it lightly nowadays, right? You don't just pick anything, you know, these are well-established actors that have the opportunity probably to pick and choose the properties that they want to be associated with.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, And I mean, Regina King has a has a hit with Damon Lindelof. They they were uh, they worked on leftovers together. She was like one of the best parts of the show. She was she was very very good on that, and now she she has even more clout. She is now Oscar winning actress <laughs> Regina King. Um, she won for uh, what uh, if Beale Street could
0: talk? Yeah, so it definitely does bring some, depending on if you care about that stuff or not. I mean, a little gravitas. You know, yeah, a little <laughs> gravitas, a little credibility to to the work. But yeah, I I mean, just in general, I'm very excited about the show. Watching the trailers again, you know, has me kind of... Watching the trailers, reading the graphic novel, and then... I mean, I think all of it kind of coming together has, has got me really excited.
1: I'm becoming more optimistic than than cautious at this point. Am I, am I getting uh, you? Am I convincing you? <laughs> I think it's a combination of you and just reading more about the show and Damon Lindelof's, like, reverence for the source material... I think it's in good hands. I mean, it's, it's too early to, to judge. Again, we can we can rename the podcast if if we want to. <laughs> but let's hope we don't have to do that. Well, I think that will conclude this week's episode. Yeah, so we still have three weeks before, well, from our recording date right now, before the premiere of the show. So we will be doing two more episodes before the October 20th premiere. One on the graphic novel, and then another one on Zack Snyder's 2009 adaptation. So we're excited to dive a little more deeply into both worlds in the
0: coming weeks. And the show uh, premieres on October 20th. So what we'll try to do is, uh, you know, of course, we'll watch the show, probably digest it, record our episode, and hopefully get it out to you guys about that that Tuesday or Wednesday after the show premieres so that you have, you guys also have the opportunity to kind of digest the show, come to our show, listen, and then, you know, be ready for next week's episode. Like we all will be definitely have your calendars marked. Like I do um, with a, you know, smiley face with a little
1: bit of blood on it. (laughs) We're trying to answer who watches the watchman, right? It's going to be us. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, as always, we we'd love to interact with the fan base as well. So if anyone has any questions, comments, suggestions, you can email us at who watches the podcast at gmail.com. So where can where can everyone find you, Derek? So you can find me at uh, Instagram
0: at Twitter at The Wrong Daik. Dayik is spelled D-A-Y-I-K. I also host another podcast. It's a film and film trailers-based podcast, and that's at the film trailers podcast. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify,
1: Stitcher. Just look up the Film Trailers Podcast. And you can find me at Strange Harbors. I am the editor for uh, my own film, TV, and pop culture blog. You can find me at www.strangeharbors.com. And my Twitter and Instagram handles are just Strange Harbors. We'll see you guys soon. See you next time.